everyone. Bruce is live this morning. Can, can I join in too? Yeah. Because you don't want to just be the inglorious pastor. I did that for a reason. Because, are you ready for this? So next week. I'm never ready for Next this. week. All right. Oh, there's a little crown on my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Susie's doing a new thing. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Well, but next week I'm gone. <laughs> I've got, I'll be 11 days. Susie is his hairdresser. Hairdresser, sorry. Uh, Susie Camaro. Shout out. Been doing my hair for 25 years or more. Yeah, go Susie. Go Susie. Um, I'll be out next week because I'll be in the Sierras for 11 days, taking two groups of 15 people each on two four-day trips back-to-back. So that's going to be fun. The Sierras. And these are places, this now, is is, are these stretches you've already done before? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't take anyone on trail I haven't done. That's just a bad, that's just a problem. Well, I know you happen. scout out. I know you right. scout. But so these are ones you've taken group, yes. groups on. Okay. So, yeah, I took a group in June on this trip. And then okay. I did two of these trips last year, this particular route that we're doing. But here was my great idea. We could next week have the inglorious pastor and the inglorious pastored, Roger. I think it's time that we bring in brother number three. Actually, brother number two, because I'm brother number three. Because I realize we're pastors, which means retired pastor, retired pastored. Whereas David is an active pastor, making him the inglorious pastor. So next week, if you bring David on, you could have the inglorious pastor and the, well, maybe glorious pastor, and because he's active. The glorious pastor, yes, that's you like that. It sounds very complicated, and Dave may not be entirely comfortable with anything with pastors in it. That's true. <laughs> it's just a little close to another word. <laughs> But you remember our mom's reaction to that. <laughs> she loved it. She thought that was her the, the best name ever. But yes. I, I found even in conservative circles, people are going, "Oh, I love the name." <laughs> so I think even conservative it's is getting edgy. It, conservative is getting stretched <laughs> in this season of our life. But yeah, the I, pastor just means retired pastor. We just felt like it'd be too long to say a retired pastor. It's easier to say pastor. So we've invented a word. Yeah. Uh, so if the Webster people are listening, pastored with an O, pastor with a, a, a retired pastor. Yeah, I mean, so that and by the way, that came to me this morning at five twenty-six. I was like, man, that's that's not that's, good. Well, no, it was, I was. Don't share everything that comes to you at five twenty-six. I am not going to. I don't think that would be wise. <laughs> so, hey, so season six, episode five today. Five, yes. What are we talking about? Well, I thought... <laughs> Why don't I start? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what you think about me? <laughs> well, I did have this thought that this actually isn't this sort of a topic, but I, I just you might be the most in, interesting man in the world. No, I... The, I the, am the Dosecchi's man. No, no, no. So if I'm looking at the... Yeah, the Dosecchi guy... Um, so you're okay next week you're going to the sierras you're taking two different trips of people so you're arranging all this food and things and um but there's the fun and 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 having great food and 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 cooking on that and anyway so getting that together and hiking 50 miles that's fun you're speaking at these conferences you're going to be doing probably 85 counseling sessions today um 
And... Oh, and I have to have a book proposal by the end of September. A book proposal by the, you know, there's, you were... I'm feeling a little stressed, not going to Teased lie. a little with, I mean, you tr- tried in this season where you weren't as Bruber. busy to start Bruber. <laughs> Bruber was going to be my car driving and truck driving service where I would pick people up and drop them off and take them places and take freight if I needed to in my truck. I, I didn't actually have time for that. <laughs> didn't. At all. But you had, but everything on you had the nice labels on your vehicle. Bruber, I already had Bruber. It. I had it lined up. No, see, Bruber's fascinating. You know, it's just so. It's funny. Yeah, I, th- I think you're in the running for the most interesting man in the world. I think, I think it's. I'm glad to be part of the pastors with you. Thank you. You know, my favorite. I might cry. My favorite line from the most interesting man in the world was from I did the Tough Mudder like ten years ago. The, and so it's like yeah, the of course you, you did. It. This is my illustration. <laughs> it's yes, you, so you run like thirteen miles and do twenty-five military-style obstacles, including electrocution. Right. And, you know, jumping into a container of freezing water and swimming under a two-by-four and all that kind of stuff. But uh, they had the Dosekis man on a big banner out front that said, "If you have to sign a waiver first, it's probably worth doing." <laughs> That's good. I'm like, I love that because I thought about yeah, when I jumped out of an airplane. So, then there's a kid. So low, I had to I had to sign a waiver. So I'm like, yeah. And if you go with Born Be Wild on a trip, you have to sign a, a waiver, which means it's probably worth doing. Okay, so just keep on with this list of things. I don't know that you expected you would do. I mean, that you didn't. You you've ended up doing that. So, yeah, my life. Because so, someone was coming to me talking to me about coaching and sort of my philosophy of coaching, and I'm like. Well, it's really pretty simple. It's walk with God and you'll figure it out. And it's sort of figured out together. In other words, when I look back on my life, I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, here's how I had it planned out. Now, you know, when I turned 30, I knew very clearly, hey, I'm supposed to be a pastor. This, right. I was very clear on that. That was that sense of invitation from God into, that, into, the, into doing that. But mm-hmm. a lot of the other stuff just sort of happened. You know, like right. 2003, I read the book Wild at Heart, and I'm like, hey, it'd be fun to take people out on, it'd be fun to take men out. On backpacking trips, so you can do kind of just discipleship in the wilderness, and, and now it's of, mostly women you take out and, on right, trips. It's a lot of women. We had we had more women on my walls of Jericho trip over the weekend right, than no, we had men, which is fun. Now just someone just the way it all that emerges. Okay, I'm I'm going to do this thing, and then it turns into something else, and right. all these things that you stepped in. Wasn't there now, all these things I've stepped in? No, right. <laughs> stepped in, right. I have stepped in a few things in my life, no doubt. Not gonna lie. No, that so. At some point, you go to South America and you end up on a soccer field with oh. some minor league soccer players. No, these are professional soccer players. Professional soccer players. Yeah. And they put, and you're almost killed. They put me. <laughs> That's the closest time you came to death. Right. Maybe. So I'm like, I've only been out of the United States like twice. Okay. Right. So we went to Canada as kids. Do you remember that? Yeah. To visit the Bens. Yeah. And saw Niagara Falls and all that. And then I went to Medellin, Colombia, which the night, it's so funny, the night before I went on this trip, it was kind of a preaching trip. I was teaching 10 times in five days in all these different settings. And this trip just emerged, something, well, someone just came to you. At that time, I was a missions pastor and a teaching pastor at Cove Church, so they invited me down to do that. But I remember, I didn't do any... You know, they being some people who don't even know you. Right, exactly. <laughs> this this is what I'm talking about. So they, they invite me down there, and I, they have, they're handling all the tickets and the arrangements, so I'm not planning anything. So right. the night before, this is in 2009, the night before, I look up Medellin, Colombia, and the first Google search says, most dangerous city in the world. <laughs> 
I'm like, what the heck? What have I gotten I into? I should and have then, done my homework. Right, I start reading, and I'm like, holy cow, Americans are getting like kidnapped and held for hot. And I'm like, my family has no money. I'm going to be dead for sure. I mean, you can't. Bruce just glibly said, yeah, let's go to Medellin. Yeah, so, but, and I learned that on that trip, Roger, this is where this, our next- listeners need to know this. Two things I learned that are really important on that trip. Number one, if you're in South America, any part of South America, and soccer players ask you to play soccer with them, just say no. In fact, give it a hard no. Right, that that would... Because they're like, you, you, you play... Immediately leave the vicinity. Like, you're like, you play soccer? And I'm like, well, yeah, I was the captain of my team in high school. <laughs> we won the national championship of Christian schools. Do I play word. soccer? <laughs> well, yeah, I play soccer. Heck, you boys want to rustle up a little game here? So, we call it football. Yeah, we were kicking the ball around, and I realized, okay, I am so far out of my league. And they picked it up. They picked up on it pretty quick either. Like, the only move I knew was give and go. And apparently there's like 28 iterations of that in South America. I only knew the one, the simple triangle, you know. Bruce, you so, Bruce is hard shot. They just saw it. As a simple lob pass. A, it, was a, it was a very light pass. So they figured out he's not going to be that good in the field, so we'll put him in the goal box. So they put me in the goal box. You're going to love this. They put me in the goal box, and then they said, hey, let's warm you up. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to kick the ball, and they're like... A I'm, long way away. They're like 40 yards out. Right. And I'm thinking, that's safe. Right. Well, let's kind of they're saying... That's not a place I would normally take a shot from. Oh, you no, know, I'm so going to be 10 feet I'll out. I'll have time to react. Right, I'll have plenty of time to react. So the first guy kicks the ball from 40 yards out. It's coming at my face at 200 miles an hour, and it's turning. <laughs> and I don't even... <laughs> no, no, all, do. I do, all I do is cover my face, and it fractures my radius and ulna. And, True and, story. And I continue to play for the rest of the day with fractured wrist. I mean, I literally... It was the most awful... So, if, if you're ever asked to play soccer in South America, unless you're a professional, say absolutely not. Right. Number two. No comprehendo. Right. Then this feeds into it. Number two, if, if you don't know all of Spanish, don't say a single word in Spanish. Because if you say a single word in Spanish, Hola. People, right, people assume that you know everything. So I remember this. This one time, I was I was always with an interpreter, you know. But right. one time on a Sunday morning after I preached, this interpreter left for a minute. I don't know if he's using the bathroom or whatever else. So a lady's coming up and talked to me, and and she spoke in just a little bit of broken English, asking, and I was like, "See," because I wanted to. Well, then she assumed that I knew all of Spanish, and she just comes, and I'm like, "No, comprendo, English only." I am. Couple of things. So that was. But the truth is, I have lived an interesting life. No, it's... By the grace of God. No, it's fascinating. And how many things have come without planning? Now, I know a lot of things happen for us that way. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of the most intriguing things do happen. Okay, that's not a planned thing. That wasn't on... No, I didn't plan... I'm going to plan a trip to Medellin, or... I I didn't ever plan to be an outdoor guy. Right. I, I never planned to write a book. Never saw that on my... I knew mom and dad had done some of that. Of course, grandfather did a ton of writing. But I never really saw that as something... I did see myself speaking. I mean, I've talked to you even as a kid. I could see myself speaking. That was something I always enjoyed. 
But a lot of the other stuff that just came along was was the grace of God, and it was opportunities. And here's another thing I, th- I realized. This is probably good for our listeners to hear. And there's a good, there's an upside to this, and there's a downside to this. But I realized I was not afraid to fail at things. Yeah. So I would be good. considered by some a risk taker, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not a risk averse person. Right. Or foolish. I will take calculated risks. <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I've learned on, never go on a 50 <laughs> 50. The, the odds are not in your favor. Okay. I mean, like 51 is not even enough. But yeah, so I'm not reckless in that sense. But I realized, and this is, this is the grace of God in my personality type, I wasn't afraid to fail. So when I work with some other people and I talk to other people, I realize making certain decisions is almost impossible for them. Because they're thinking, they're actually thinking of the hundred ways that it could potentially go wrong or fail right. or not work. And you really don't care that it goes wrong. Well, I don't even have the, that. Never, it never enters my mind. Okay. It's not like I'm like, here's the three ways it could go wrong, but that probably won't happen. Nope. I just think, here's the three ways that could go right. Which one do I want to choose? So it's not that you're particularly courageous. No. It's that I'm an idiot. There's a dysfunction in your brain <laughs> that doesn't even calculate risk. I can't even see the downside. In other, and I think. And because Marlene and I talked about this on her um, on her birthday, happy birthday, hun. That was last week, but still, I'm gonna happy throw it birthday, up Marlena. A week later, but I realized, um, happy birthday, Marie. Happy birthday, Marie. And all of our listeners that have had birthdays in the last year, happy birthday. Well said, Roger. That's that was kind of an all-encompassing statement right there. I think I might cry again. All that to say, here's what I've learned about failure. Failure will teach you certain things. That success never will. Which is why right. I'm fairly smart. <laughs> no, you're brilliant, really. I've screwed up at so many things at different times. I'm right. like, I have a whole checklist of, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it this way. Right. But isn't that funny? Don't. No. It, and the fact that, yes, I'm thinking about why not afraid to fail fail. Just not concerned that you'll look bad, or, or like you said, really, it's just you're not you're not even. Well, I guess if you're saying that actually there's so much good that can happen out of failure, who cares if you fail? Well, and I realize I don't process the implications of failure the way most people do. Most people personalize it like if I fail at this, mm-hmm. I'm a oh. fill in the blank person, bad person, or not smart person, or you know what I'm yeah. saying? I just don't process it that way. Well, but now I'm thinking as you're saying that, and that this is so good, is what what's so healthy is, just like last week, we talked about ignorance as a bad word. One thing now, we're thinking of failure as a bad word. Right. But... And by the I, way, ignorance is not a bad word. It isn't. Unless it's chosen. No, that's what I said. Right. right. Um, of course, we're ignorant about all kinds of things, but it dawns on me as we're talking now... Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to fail. We're human. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're going to do something that's beyond us. We're going to... And I think some of it is. And I understand this because I, I feel this. We we want to do something really good. Right. You know, I remember when I... Uh, and it was, it was in relation to you because you were always so good at basketball. And I remember watching Roger and our cousins play basketball. This was on Channel for Growth. Okay. And I had, I remember I had my 66 Mustang parked in the driveway like this. And I realized I'd played with you guys just for a little while. And I'm kind of, I'm out. Okay. Because I couldn't play well. I couldn't play at the level that you guys could play, and it dawned on me. It was almost a, almost a teenage vow. I'm never going to do anything that I'm not good at. Because I didn't like that feeling. I'm missing shots. I'm missing passes. You guys are yeah. whipping the ball in and moving it around and doing it. Right. And I'm like, 
The only thing I needed to do was do sort of a set shot from 20 feet, you know. It didn't always work well. Well, it got packed every time. I mean, it's like it's like the most defensible shot in the history of basketball. Well, this is, I'm just going to let everyone know, I'm getting ready, I'm getting in position to shoot a shot, so if you'd like to defend it and stop it, come on over. Come on over now, and I'll give you a few seconds, okay? Because right, because I'm, I'm really still lining it up. I'm still lining it up. But I remember making that decision. I don't want to, because I had in in seventh or seventh grade, David was in ninth grade. I was in seventh grade. We tried out. We tried out for junior high baseball. Now that is a, that's, that's a, a recipe for failure. Yeah. If you're a Martin, baseball is not in the cards for no, you. No, baseball, softball. This is not your lane. No. So that this this is a, a disaster. This is. A, no, this is a recipe for humility. I remember during batting practice, uh, there was a there was a, a ninth grader that hurled the ball toward the plate, and I just remember ducking and running for cover. I had never seen a ball move that fast in my life. I don't know how many times I struck out at softball. Well, hey, right, Roger, Roger, they would get eight feet away from me, and here go, here go, Bruce, and they would throw it up, and it's swing and miss. We have no, we have limited hand eye. In relation to a stationary ball, golf, we have zero hand-eye coordination when it comes to a moving, moving ball. Moving ball. I mean, if you're using a, a bat, or it's just not going to happen because you're right. very good at basketball. But yeah, that's my base, lone baseball was not, and as it turned out, I was not that good at soccer either. <laughs> well, it's just that what you thought soccer. See what I thought. The rest soccer of the world was. plays real right. soccer. Football is different <laughs> football. than soccer. We were. Yeah. Oh yes, I like a football. <laughs> Go ahead and kill me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm great at it. Can't believe I even said I was the captain of my team. They're like, oh, gosh, he must be really good. He's the captain of his team. Wow. I wonder how many people die in Medellin just from soccer ball. Yeah, soccer injuries. I think it probably does happen. Because had I not, you realize, had I not done this over to, to hide my face, the you entire, might be dead. my skull would have been crushed on one side. No, it might, it would have, might have been a decapitation. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That would have been bad. <laughs> oh. Wow. I do not think he was the captain of his team yeah. after all. <laughs> nope. Is he blind? Because he didn't even seem he to didn't. move. Well, the funny thing was, it was coming in at such an angle, I oh. wasn't even sure... Where to where to go? What those guys can do, even now, some of the shots. Hey, but I will say this: the oh. ball didn't get in the goal. <laughs> right. But for they the rest, carried you off on a stretcher. For but the rest <laughs> of the day, my hands never got above my waist. I was like immobilized. I was like, I, I literally can't, I can't move them. Okay, so we've well, but I like that idea that I do think is important. Um, failure is a normal part. Yes. Of the human experience, so let's let's take the even. What, why is that a? Let's take the edge off that the stigma, shall I say, off of that word, because in reality, this is just something normal people do when they step out and try. And and there's the thing, right? Where the fear of failure keeps you. What I will tell you, there are times when. <clears throat> I've done something. I, I'm yep. I'm more of a risk taker than my wife Joy, mm-hmm. but she would tell you that that has been a gift. There have been any number of things that I've said. Hey, I think we should do this. That have really, really scared her. That she looked back and say, "I'm so glad 
we did that. Yeah. You know, there's a moment where we oh, we yeah. moved to New England from South Carolina. We're going to start a church. Don't have a job. Whatever. That's like moving to South America. I mean, in terms of cultural, no, it's a right? Huge so cultural shift. Um, and but then we look back and say the things we, we the things we gained make t- the risk taking worth it. And here's the thing: even with that, we failed at stuff. Oh yeah. No, we tried things out. We're going to start a church. I remember, you know, we we're going to do this neighborhood event. We're going to do this neighborhood and invite everyone to it. And we did, and nobody came. Okay, and you, but let's just if we take back and say, yeah, let's take away the word fail. We learn. What is it? Someone say, we learned a way not to do it. We learned a way not to do it. <laughs> well, I think about it, I th- when I think and I do a whole talk on failure where I and I finish with that great Teddy Roosevelt. Oh quote, yes, the man in the arena. The man in the arena. Yes. He said, "It's I not was... the critic who counts. The one who points out where the strong man stumbles, where the doer of good deeds could have done them better. Right. It's the man who's in the arena, whose whose face is marred with blood and sweat and toil and all of that, so that he will never be with those cold and timid souls that neither know the joy of success or the heartbreak of failure. It's yeah. this. It's this thing. If he recognized, <laughs> there, he said, there is no achievement without failing." Right, and I realized the only way to fail at failing is not trying. You know, you failed. In other words, you didn't even give yourself a chance to fail. How many of us miss opportunities? Maybe even God-given opportunities because we do a failure analysis in our mind. Right, and the percentages. Roger, I wonder. Like I said, I won't go on a fifty-fifty typically. That's not true on everything, but typically not. Unless God, I know you. Unless God calls you. No, unless you into it. Because I've seen you at different points. Where you fell, it was right. a 1090. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, it's funny. We had a, a few friends when we moved to New England who felt like it was a 1090. Yeah. And 10, honestly, 10% chance of success. Looking back at it, looking back, I'm not sure they were wrong. I'm not sure their mm-hmm. their percentage. Their analysis. God graciously did some things. That is so that. This is so good. This ties into my. It was a 1090. It. it yeah, it was a 10%, maybe less, chance of succeeding. But right. this is what... The, the, so I was reading Matthew 17 this morning. Jesus, where he talks about... The disciples were like, they had seen the transfiguration. They're coming off the mountain. The other disciples are below, and they can't heal this kid. This kid that's got uh, a demonic spirit that's causing epilepsy and other kinds of things. Or, or symptoms of that. And so they're like, Jesus... And, of course, Jesus cast the demon out, and the kid's fine. And so the disciples come to Jesus privately, and they say, Hey, why why couldn't we do that? I thought you said, you know, we were going to be able to do anything that you did and all that. And he said, Because you have so little faith. And it's like, if you have a mustard seed of faith, you'll be able to tell a mountain to move from here to here. And I realized that's that. That's the 1090 difference. In other words, God can take a 10% chance of success and make it 100%. But it is, because you and I both have, at different times in our life, taken steps because we believed it was an invitation from God. Right. Yeah, the the percentages of succeeding didn't look really good. Right. Um, But that's the God factor, isn't it? Even how we finished the podcast last week, if you take the miracles out of Scripture, you take God out of Scripture. Mm. Because I read in Matthew 17, I just read another story that I'm like, that's just a bizarre story. The temple tax. There's plenty of them. Yeah, Peter's like... People are asking him, do you and your rabbi pay the temple tax? He's like, yes, we do. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then he goes to Jesus. Kind of looking aside eye to Jesus. Are well, we, uh, it says Jesus. He came we? back into the house, so, and he said, Jesus spoke first. I love that Matthew points that out. Jesus spoke first. Like, he was already onto it. Hey, so who, who should pay the temple tax? You know, the kids or the, the, the servants? And he's like, well, I guess the, the kids are exempt. The servants. And, and Jesus says, so the kids really are exempt. In other words, the idea of a temple tax didn't seem to make a lot of sense to Jesus. But he said, in essence, since you've already committed us, this is where the story gets weird. I want you to go and throw, just drop a line, a single line, not a net, but just drop a single line out in the uh, pond over there. First fish you catch, there's going to be a four drachma coin. Pay your tax and mine. And sure enough, he did that. And I'm like, I, you know what my takeaway was from that story? Why do I worry about anything? Taxes or anything else? If Jesus can... <coughs> put coins in a fish mouth mm -hmm. now if God can do that now right. and then I think about what's the setup there like did 32 years ago a fish I mean someone drop a coin in the water and then earlier that day the fish sees a shiny thing on the bottom and <laughs> decides I'm going to eat that today mm -hmm. eats it and the very moment that he eats it he sees a worm and he just goes for the worm I just the whole thing is but the, the truth is God provided in a miraculous way but Jesus Here's the other thing that gets me about that story. Peter could have said, Jesus, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I can't, you don't just go fishing, catch a fish, there's a, there's a coin in it. But he did because Jesus said so. And, of course, that was the way he got called into ministry from the beginning. Remember, he said, Jesus said, you guys caught anything? No, we fished all night, haven't caught anything. Jesus said, well, throw your net on the other side. And he goes, if you say so, because you said so. <laughs> We'll he, do it. He and sure enough, they get this. He crazy kept telling a seasoned fisherman how to fish. How to fish. <laughs> That's you're right. That's twice. It's it's. Mm. I don't know. God working with who a person is, humbling them. Even and, that's interesting. Even working with what they know. He was a fisherman. Right. Because he could have said, go to the bread maker down the street right. and the first loaf of bread you get will have a four drachma coin. He could have said, go outside and someone's going to walk by and just ask them for... A t I don't know. It, that's such an interesting story. But as I'm listening to everything that's just sort of popped out today... In We're kind of all over the place. All over the, the place. Today. As if we aren't normally... But no, I, we're usually very focused, right? But I'm thinking even... This is part of the beauty of walking with Jesus. He says, like to Pete, he'll... Trust me. 1090. What are the, what are the odds of Peter going and catching a fish that's got a coin? I would say those odds are very small. I would say less than one in a million. <laughs> right. And in the immortalized words of Jim Carrey out of Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying... <laughs> There's a chance. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I mean it's less than one in a million. Is that there's going to be a coin in a fish's mouth? So he says, "Trust me." Yep. You know, so the odds of failure here are enormous. Of even him looking, you Andrew, know, Andrew comes to Peter. Hey, what are you doing? I'm fishing for coins. <laughs> Where he says, uh, uh, "Hold off, a temple tax official. I'm going to get that coin for Watch you." This. Watch this. <laughs> Looks to me like you're fishing, Peter. Yeah, you don't know what I know. But, but the beauty—what I say—the beauty of walking with Jesus 
Am I cutting off a thought you had there? No, I'm just like, but I have been willing to do it. You know, you talked about, in several podcasts ago, you talked about if Jesus came to the planet, if you were on the planet in in the first century... Would I believe? Would I trust You're him? not sure you would have I'm believed. I'm not sure not, yeah. And that was sobering to me. And when I listened to that, again, I listened, I was like, that's yeah. sobering. Because I'm like, if Jesus showed up in the 21st century, I have an idea we might also reject him. Yes. Because he's not going to look like what we think. And And would I trust him enough to... I want you to go in that business meeting while they're meeting all those executives, and I want you to rummage through the garbage can, and you'll find a $10,000 check. I, I, or I want you to go to a funeral. <clears throat> oh, that's the one that gets me. Right. And yeah, and lay hands on this child that's already dead. Right. Oh, what? In other words, what are the things that I am I? <clears throat> would I be willing to trust? And even where he puts at that time in his wisdom, he's putting on the you know. Um, your reputation, how you look, which I can be tuned into at times, and so on. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> You're the least tuned in to what other people think that of anyone I have ever met. I have moments, really, but <laughs> you have human moments. Oh, I, yes, there are moments <clears throat> where, oh, it's yeah. So, but I was thinking then to this whole thought: the beauty of following Jesus is. He's going to call us into some uncomfortable places where we're likely to fail. And here's the thing. That the, where you're, now say that again, because I don't want the <laughs> listeners to mention that. Where you're likely to fail. Odds are you're going to fail. Right. But the beauty is, whether you do or not, he's still going to work through it. This is the where... Right. Yes. Where... And this is being part of the thing, even going back to your not being afraid to fail, part of it related to God still works through failure. And if it's the humbling, because one of the reasons we <clears throat> don't want to fail is we don't want to look bad. We don't want to look dumb. We don't look, well, this is, right. the term is loser. Right. That he's a, she's a loser. Right. That we, because they <laughs> he failed. He tried this thing and he, he didn't <clears throat> achieve right. it. Roger, think about it, because I've, I've talked about this with people. This Because does God ever ordain failure? I'm like, yes. yes. Does God ever invite us into failure? Uh-huh. Huh? You look at the Old Testament prophets, several of them. He's like, he's like, now, I want you to do this and this and this, and here's what's going to happen. They're not going to listen. Right. In fact, they're going to kill you. Right. On you go. Yeah. I mean, it's that. And he, he sort of said the same thing to us in the, in the New Testament. By the way, you're going to be you're gonna be flogged. You're going to be pulled into the synagogues. You'll be flogged. You'll be questioned. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's going to be components or times in your mission where you feel like you're failing. Right. But he says, but I'm with you all the way to the right. end. Right. In one sense, we all know that our, our heart at some point will fail. We're going to die. Our right. body will die. But that doesn't... What was the... That doesn't diminish the import of what we did while we were alive. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It, there was right. a, a quote that I did at the end of that talk, Undivided, by Mother Teresa. It called Do It Anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not the Martina McBride yes. song, although yes. she that was definitely where she was inspired sure. by that. But this idea that people may tear down what you take a lifetime building, build it anyway. Yeah. Because she said at the end of the day it was not about it's not about you and them anyway, it's about you and God. Are you willing to be obedient to what God calls you? In one sense you could look at Mother Teresa's life aside from the celebrity status that she gained over mm-hmm. time, because she devoted herself to the poorest of the poor, the mm-hmm. dying 
And, and God used that sacrifice and gave her a platform that has impacted, mm-hmm. of course, millions of mm-hmm. people. But it was this choice to do something that's all about failing. She didn't go to save lives. Right. It wasn't like she was going to be a medical nurse, I'll save all these people. I'm just going to be with these people while they die. And it strikes me, in, in all of this as well, we have a definition of what failure means. Mm-hmm. God can have an entirely different grid. In other words, even for... Joan, uh, I look at uh, Noah. Noah preaches for years to people. No one responds. He looks like a cataclysmic failure. I mean, like if you're in a speaking ministry and like nobody's responding. Yep. After a few months, but now it's a year, now it's several years, and it's just like perpetual failure by what. But is it ever failure? If I'm simply doing what God, you said, yeah, God has a different do. grid for that. Sometimes right. that grid is simply obedience. Exactly. In other words, <clears throat> I, you're just trusting. I've, I've been me. saying, yeah, I've been saying for years. Don't focus on outcomes. Focus on obedience. If I'm just living my life for outcomes, there's certain things I won't do. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't. The outcome of that is not sure. It's not a, sh- mm-hmm. a sure thing, or the outcome could be very, very bad. So I just. Right. But if we feel like God's inviting us into something, and God's calling us into something then my response is simple obedience. Right. And it is it is trust. It, so here's a question for, for our listeners and for you. Sounds like it's more for me. Well, the listeners, listeners tune in. The listeners are listening still here. In, but I want them to think through this. So was Peter, was P, the story of Peter walking on the water, was that a story of failure or success? Well, I see it as a success, I guess, in my... So do I. Right. Because there was 11 other people in the boat, also disciples, who did not walk on the water that day. It's just that, yeah, he walked on water. He did something that no other human has ever done that we know of other than than Christ. And in, uh, what is it, in the immortalized words of Rich Mullins? Okay. We all want to walk on water, but stay in there, take some grace. Oh, we are not as strong as we think we are. But I I tell that story from, but Peter was obedient because when he said, hey, if it's really you, tell me to come out there. And Jesus said... Come on. Which at that point is now a command. He didn't say, well, if you want to. He said, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter's like, dang it. Well, it hits me as we're, as we're talking about it right here that he learned He learned how to succeed and he learned how to fail. In other words, he learned it both. In got, the same, yes. In the, in the same, same moment. moment. So he learns this thing about the power of God and stepping out. And not a fear of failure, which actually that fail could cost him his life. But he also learns what happens when you do fail or you do lose heart or you do the... Well, now the grace of God steps in. Or you, or, right, right. Just even that word, he reaches out to him. Right. There's just this oh, graphic I've, image. I've always said with a smile on his face. Yes. Oh, you have little faith. Because Jesus argues in Matthew 17. Back All to little faith little again. Faith. Oh, you have little faith. And I think with a little bit of a glance toward the guys in the boat. <laughs> you could have done this. We could have walked to the other side together. Mm. I mean, that's where I... Because Jesus was going to the other side. It was almost like he was right. racing there against the wind, rowing, rowing, rowing. And right. here comes Jesus. And it's like he's like going to the other side. And I felt like he was like, hey, Peter, we could have gotten all the way to the other side together. So he learned about success and obedience. Right. 
But also I realize even in the middle of that <clears throat> success, fear can still creep in and create its own mm-hmm. failure component. I don't know how to say that right. exactly. Because he, he did something that no one else did. He did something that the other 11 beside apostles were not doing. Yeah. But he also was human. Yeah. Like he's out there doing it and he's going, I, I can't do this. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> Look at the wind. The wind yeah. is all this. I'm oh, in a gosh, storm. Yes. Hmm. No, and this is a guy who knew storms, a fisherman. I mean, so, I mean, this is not a, he knows there's a, um, probably has seen people go overboard, has seen things not go well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, (laughs) why don't you talk about one of your greatest failures, Raj? I think this would be a great time for our listeners to see an authentic and transparent pastor. Why don't you start? (laughs) My problem is... Is memory? Let's see. Fails. Maybe it's that I've got too many in the. Um, well, your memory's failing. My memory is that, failing. That could be your worst well, fail. Well, one of the things I really is really why be afraid? Because when you're following Jesus, you really can't lose. In other words, it's mm-hmm. you step out. Even if and sometimes we're kind of, am I reading? God's call, correct? Am I am I hearing from God? But don't let that stop you. you in other words, I look in the fallibility, my own fallibility at some point, but at some point you go ahead and you step out. God, here's what I think. But it's immaterial whether I succeed or not, whatever that even means, because God's at work in that. God's at work in me trusting him, just the act of faith and stepping out, I'm going to trust God as best I can figure out. I think this is what God yeah. is pushing me toward. I'm going to do that. Um, and I think it just takes the edge off. Really, following Jesus, you can't fail. Peter, you either walk on water or Jesus grabs you by the hand. Either way, you're good. Right, yeah, you're good. Isn't that isn't that true? You can't and, fail. In fact, that's, that's an interesting way that that story resolved, because <laughs> Jesus didn't just let him drown. And right. Go, Gosh, I, mm. I mean, yeah. at least he stepped out. But faith. if he'd only had a little more faith, he could have walked. James for a long, charge long, now. <laughs> James, come on out. <laughs> no, he, Peter. Now that would have been a whole different kind of story. But you know, we you, that reminded me of something we talked about last week or the week before. Not on a podcast. We were just at your house, and we were talking about. Just because we can see some areas in the church where there are problems or the church mm. is not being effective in reaching particularly this this generation doesn't give you and I an out for not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, sometimes I look at even, all right, it, if, if, the, if the church in a season is struggling to reach this next generation or we're, maybe this is just the generation we're in because I'm not talking about just a, an age demographic group. There's been part of me that's like, I'm just, I mean, I'm a kind of, I'm kind of stepped out of church world. You know, we're retired pastors mm-hmm. now, but I'm not sure that because we're re- retired pastors, that gives us a pass to do nothing. It's that whole thing of, you can't even yeah. if we're uncertain about what the church should be doing in this season or exactly the best way to do it or how to engage culture, do something. Right. The easiest thing in the world is to talk about. It's not the critic who counts. Yeah, it, it's it's so yeah. what's 
wrong. I think Dad would tell the story. I don't know if someone who came up to maybe R.A. Torrey. Yeah. So came up to some speaker, or maybe D.L. Moody, and he said, I really don't like your approach with evangelism. I don't like the, the, the style that you take. And he said, well, what's your approach? He said, well, I, I don't have one. And I think it was Moody said, I like my approach better than yours. <laughs> I'd never heard that story. Yeah. That, it, it's that... Isn't that but, interesting? But I think it's the... That's, I like my approach better than yours. <laughs> what's your, well, what's your approach? Well, I don't really have one. Yeah. I'll stick with mine then. Right. It's, but, it, but there's the... Not trying to get it perfect. It's easy to talk about what's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for the guy to come right. up and say, that's a flawed evangelism approach. And by the way, there's never been a perfect one. Nope. There's never been a perfect church. It's easy to look and say, that's a flawed I don't approach. like big box church. Or I, I have some concerns about a church that just sort of seems to be event driven. Um, and I do have some concerns but that church is partly right and partly wrong. There's right. parts of the heart of God. There, and it, there's just no perfect way. But if I have a concern about that, <laughs> that's the comedy. If I have a concern about an imperfect church, which they all are, and I'm using that as an excuse then to check out of. Yeah. And, and what part of that ends up being, I don't know, risk aversion, work aversion, uh, or looking out for myself, or I'm really, yeah. We don't have the luxury when it comes to the church, of, oh, I just just get to decide. You know, I'm I'm the critic. Uh, I don't like their approach. Or well, they could yeah. say to me, well, it doesn't look like you're doing much of anything right now. We kind of like our approach better than yours. Right. It's that, and, and we talked about this honestly at our age. Being retired pastors doesn't mean at any level we've retired from the kingdom of heaven. Right. Or that we've retired from the way of Christ. And so it is that we want to be doing something. But how long do you wait? In other words, I think for me, I, this is yeah. just an honest wrestle even now. Um, you got to start something. you got to step out. I, right. I don't... Because I think I've been in a season... No, I know I've been in a season of church evaluation. Where to go from You're here? on the edge of the boat, looking out there and evaluating well, Peter. Look, we're, yeah, so we were both pastors at a point. So yeah. we've been in that position. Now we're not. And I'd like to think we weren't just pastors because we were in charge or we had a position of authority, whatever. Um, but now that we're not in that role, it's not like, yeah, you just retire from church you're out to pasture right you retire from because when jesus talked about the church and this church that was gonna the gates of hell wouldn't stand against it and that that well we're called to that and and that's not just we've got to pay attention to this was the question that came to me recently that we were i think trying to unpack in that conversation is um, could I right now be disobedient in how I'm living out Jesus' heart for the church? When he talked about, or where the apostle would talk about, you know, don't get give up the assembling of yourselves together, but encouraging one another daily. Um, 
what does that actually mean? Do I get to simply decide or, oh, I just think, okay, if, if I'm getting with some Christians every, every now and then, yeah. we're encouraging one another. Is that what God meant by the church? Is that what Jesus, and is that is that the church? And this is what we talked about. If there are all kinds of people out there today turned off by the vision or version of the church that they're seeing, and maybe turned off by some things that you and I would say, I think those are unhealthy. Yep. Then why am I not putting out an alternative? No, it's like the alter- providing an alternative. Right. Or, or, or saying there's another way, there's another way. And, and I, when I think about even Jesus teaching about the wineskins, new wineskins, I think he's doing that all the time. Yes. Culture is constantly changing. Yes. And so the wineskins have to be constantly changing. Right. There was never a wineskin in first century Jewish culture that lasted a lifetime. Right. They're always, once they're once they're old, they're just not able to be used again. So you have to go to new... So I think there's always new wineskins. And part of, I guess, what I've been wrestling with in this season is, mm. what's that new wineskin look like? In other words, I, I don't want to... I certainly don't want to sit on the sideline and not do anything. Because I don't think I'll ever retire from ministry. So when I say I retired from pastoring a church, that's one thing. But I don't think I'll ever retire from ministry. I think, I'm mm-hmm. called, I think we're all called to that the rest of our life. Some of it's figuring out what does that looked like but i was struck by in that conversation i don't have a pass because we're good or like we have a walk with god and we're fairly mature in that walk so we'll bless their hearts if they're not we'll let the young pastors figure that out or yeah what's our responsibility what's our role in this season and in some ways you know we're well goodness knows we're more mature and more wise now than we were in our 30s yeah I still think about, you know, when you planted a church around 30, Mm -hmm. I planted a church around 30. I'm like, why would anyone in their right mind go to a church that's being led by a 30-year-old? And then I remember that Jesus was 30 Mm. when he started this this public ministry. So it wasn't just you have to be a certain... Right. In that season, we chose to follow. And in this season, we're, we're trying to figure out what does following look like. As we ride down the trail. But I have to look at, for me, trying to figure out. I've been trying to figure out for some time, at what point has perhaps a fear of failure bled in? Mm -hmm. That I don't... Because you and I both know, to step out actually and be the church is work. Whether it's the fear of failure or whether it's the... The fear of hard work. Right. Is stepping out, in other words, being a community. Okay. It, it, Be, being yes. a community of believers gets messy and complicated. You and I have got hundreds of war stories. And so at some point, I think we both talked about something like sort of laughingly, you know, not going to start a church again. It's, it's fear of commitment for me at one level. Yes. It is. Fear of commitment. Because if you commit to this thing, it was like even before we started this podcast, I went through a lot of, I don't know if I should do that. Because I've started plenty of things that I didn't stick with. Right. I'm like, we need to stick with this if we're going to do a podcast. Well, look, we've almost got you know, 50 minutes. Good for you. You've stayed with it. <laughs> so, yes. Now, I wasn't talking about this podcast. I was talking about the podcast. When you first started saying it, that, I was thinking... Right before this morning, you were trying to say I woke up with great faith this morning and said, today we will do a podcast. I'm committed to it. No, but... So maybe we mostly preach to ourselves. Was this podcast... This was for us. There's probably no volume on this. Probably nobody else heard this because 
This was really more for us. It was. The pastors so, preached to themselves. I told Roger we were going to do this. We're going to sing an old Bill Rice Ranch we are not- song as we finish today. You ready? Sing as you ride in the roundup of life. Sing as you ride through the day and the night. Sing as you ride, for with Christ by your side, ye will never once fail to the end of the trail. So just sing as you ride. Roger, that was the failure song. I had you'll never once fail to the end of the we didn't know that. That was a great one. It was so insane. That was a Really? Around